0: Welcome to the Philadelphia Personal Injury Lawyers podcast, the podcast that helps people in Philadelphia and the surrounding counties understand the complexity of personal injury lawsuits. We want to help you find the representation you need to get the benefits and compensation you deserve if you've been injured by the negligence of another. At Barada Law, personal injury is always personal. In this episode, We're going to pull together the audio of three of Tony Barada's most watched videos from his YouTube channel, the Brain Injury Support Network. He currently has 34 videos on a variety of topics related to brain health and brain injuries, and I highly suggest that you check out his channel. But today we're going to focus on three main topics. First, we'll start with a general explanation of brain injuries of varying severity. Then we're going to do a deeper dive into a very specific diagnostic tool used when people are in a coma. And finally, something most people don't think of when it comes to a brain injury, but how an injury to the brain can cause problems with relationships. It's a sad fact, but true. And Tony has some good advice for those experiencing relationship problems after a loved one has had an injury to the head.
1: Hi, Tony Baratta here. Uh, I wanted to talk to you today about how medical professionals describe the severity of a traumatic brain injury. Uh, the, the medical professionals use three different categories, mild traumatic brain injury, moderate traumatic brain injury and severe traumatic brain injury. Uh, and these characterizations or labels are based upon the initial presentation of the brain injured person. It has absolutely nothing to do with the long-term consequences of these brain injuries. I have had clients who have suffered what have been categorized or labeled as severe traumatic brain injuries who have less significant long-term problems than people who have been categorized as having mild traumatic brain injury. Now, the two things that go into determining the level or the labeling is loss of consciousness and post-traumatic amnesia. Loss of consciousness means that you've totally lost the awareness of yourself or your surroundings. Whereas post traumatic amnesia means that you have, you know, where, you know, who you are, you know, where you are, but you have a loss of memory, or when people tell you things, you can't remember what they're saying, or you are confused or disoriented so the the for a mild traumatic brain injury that's determined by a loss of consciousness of anything less than 15 minutes and for post-traumatic amnesia of anything less than an hour so if a if a person's knocked out for 14 minutes and then is confused and disoriented for another 45 minutes after that that is a mild traumatic brain injury um, loss of consciousness of greater than 15 minutes and or Um, A post-traumatic amnesia for a period of time from one hour to 24 hours is a moderate uh, traumatic brain injury. And then lastly, a a severe traumatic brain injury is anything that is um, a a loss of consciousness. Oh, sorry, in moderate traumatic brain injury. The loss of consciousness is greater than 15 minutes and less than six hours. So anything greater than six hours for a loss of consciousness and a post-traumatic amnesia of greater than 24 hours is categorized as a severe traumatic brain injury. But again, it's very important that this is a labeling for use by medical professionals solely to determine the initial presentation of the brain injured person and is not meant in any way to describe how um, uh, severe in actuality or in the long term or f- what effect this brain injury will have on this person's life over their lifetime. Uh, my name is Tony Baratta and I hope this has been helpful to you. Hi, Tony Baratta here. Uh, today I wanted to talk to you about the Glasgow Coma Scale. And its limitations. A Glasgow Coma Scale is uh, intended to address level of consciousness, and it's a scoring system that is used on an emergency basis. And it literally is a test is testing three different things and the level of functioning of those three different things. The first is eye opening, um, and the it goes from a score of one for no eye opening at all to a score of um, the top or highest number for spontaneous eye opening. Um, similarly, verbal response is tested in the Glasgow Coma Scale and no verbal response is a one and the most regular verbal response, um, uh, responding promptly to um, interaction with somebody um, is the highest score. Uh, also, motor response is tested, and so no motor response is the lowest score, and um, obeying uh, commands to move your right leg or your left arm uh, spontaneously is the highest score. Now, the highest score is a 15 and a score of 13 to 15 means mild traumatic brain injury. That's where it comes from. It comes from the concept of a testing at the time of the incident called the Glasgow Coma Scale. Below an eight is a severe head injury, and the score of nine to 12 in the Glasgow Coma Scale is a moderate traumatic brain injury. Um, it's the moderate and the tra- and the and the severe traumatic brain injuries that most often uh, are going to lead to a lifetime of problems, but 90% of head injuries fall into the category of the mild traumatic brain injury. So you might think, well, okay, mild traumatic brain injury, that's not such a big deal. Um, well, we do know that people with a 15 oftentimes have lesions on their brain shown by CT and MRI, um, even though a person is showing normal neurocognitive functioning and a score of 15. I recently had a client who was assaulted in a bar. Um, He was hit in his head, and um, he was uh, examined by the ambulance people and in the emergency room department, and he was found to have a Glasgow coma scale of 15, uh, the highest score you can have. He seemed to be functioning perfectly. But on CT scan, he was shown to have an expanding subdural hematoma. Um, and that's expanding uh, subdural hematoma after regular continuous tests showed that the swelling was increasing, dangerously so. Um, and ultimately, this man died. But he showed a normal Glasgow Coma Scale initially. Um, that was his initial presentation. So the importance of this discussion is that you can have a normal or what is termed a normal Glasgow Coma Scale and still have suffered a very serious injury. And that's why it's imperative. Anytime someone has a brain injury, a head injury, even if they're showing um, completely normal eye-opening motor response and verbal response, that a CT study be done to rule out a potential um, brain lesion that needs to be emergently treated. My name is Tony Baratta, and I hope this has been helpful to you. Good morning, Tony Baratta here to talk to you about how a brain injury affects relationships uh, and what some strategies there may be you can employ to address these. You know, when someone suffers a brain injury, it affects um, the relationship, whether it be husband and wife, father, son, uh, daughter, mother, um, you know, and each of these relationships, there were different responsibilities. Let's say in a husband and wife relationship, maybe once the brain injured person was responsible for paying bills and now the the non-injured person has to take over that responsibility. And you know that there are other responsibilities that husbands and wives shares that that may have to now be split up differently. Um, there are relationship roles that uh, will be changed. Maybe one party was the uh, main breadwinner. Uh, maybe one party was the main disciplinarian. Maybe the other party was um, the, the someone who arranged for the fun in the family and the family vacations. These things may change as, change as a result of the brain injury and the way the brain injured person communicates is going to change too. That person may talk less, they may be more, uh, they may be less patient. They'd be maybe more angry, um, maybe more agitated. So this all affects the communication between, um, uh, a, a, in a, in a relationship. And this all creates a lot of added stress. And people in a TBI situation start to begin to feel like strangers and they actually start to maybe contact or talk to other outside people about the things that they used to share in the relationship. Uh, And that's when things get dangerous. So what are some of the things that a brain injured person in a relationship can do to make sure that the relationship itself doesn't get harmed too? Well, with regard to responsibilities, identify the things that the brain injured person used to do and now needs help with. Have a discussion about that. The brain injured person may be reluctant to give up some of those responsibilities. So it's important to have a discussion and be patient with the brain injured person to try to understand what, how that person feels and the need for those relationships, those responsibility um, and, and the responsibility roles to change. Um, relationship roles, uh, they're going to change too. Um, somebody may have, um, been the person who did the homework with the children all the time. And maybe now you have to explain to the children, you know, I know mommy used to do um, the homework all the time, but, but daddy's going to do it for a little while now. Okay. Um, these are things it's, it's important to communicate the new changed Relationship roles that exist to everybody in the family so that there's not a confusion. And lastly, with regard to communication issues, this is ultimately important. You have to be patient. A brain injured person um, is not going to process information as quickly as they did before. Um, they, may, they need more time to process. Um, they may need to resolve issues not in the discussion that you're having at the moment, but have an opportunity to think about it. Maybe they want to write down some notes and come back to you with their thoughts at a later time. Um, This is of utmost importance. And and the singular thing that's important to the survival of a relationship between a brain injured person and their spouse or another person is communication and patience. Um, I hope this has been helpful to you. My name is Tony Barada. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Philadelphia Personal Injury Lawyers podcast. Recovering from a catastrophic injury or auto accident is challenging enough. Entrusting your legal claim to the capable, dedicated attorneys of Baratta Law LLC will allow you to focus on the recovery process and getting your life back to normal. We understand your injury is personal to you and your family, and it will be to ours too. To schedule a free consultation, Please use the handy contact form on our website, barattalawfirm.com, or call 215 914 8132. Baratta Law LLC provides legal aid to Philadelphians throughout the metro area, including all of the following localities Huntingdon Valley, Ben Salem, Doylestown, Richboro, Warminster, Warrington, Holland, Newtown, Southampton, Lansdale, Levittown. North Wales, Willow Grove, Langhorne, Bristol, Churchville, Feasterville, Hatborough, Ivyland, Glenside, Jamison, Yardley, Ambler, New Hope, Quakertown, Trevos, and Abington.